and tonight I'm going to be reading Matthew chapter 4 for us. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfil what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Good evening, New Church. My name is Brenton. I'm one of the staff here. Uh, my sermon tonight is about one man. It's going to have two questions, or a two-part question, and it's got four TV references. We'll be covering, covering the first half of chapter four, looking at this exciting passage, The Temptation of Jesus. Uh, well, recently when I was in the UK, talking to my friend Ed, and he was telling me about this British TV game show. It's called uh, Golden Balls. It doesn't show in, in Australia, I'm sort of thankful. Uh, but it's like any other uh, TV like game show where there's two contestants, they compete for a cash prize, they work through it. Except at the end of the show, they have to decide, they talk to each other, and they have to decide whether they want to share the money they won or steal it for themselves. And so using these little golden balls, they reveal at the same time whether they've chosen to share or to steal. If they both choose to share, then they both get 50% of the money they won. Everyone goes home happy. 
if one of them chooses to steal, then they get all of the money and the other person gets nothing. Of course, if they both choose to steal, none of, nobody gets anything and all the money gets left behind. Uh, now, I really like the idea of this TV show uh, because it hinges on this question, sort of like sets up this premise about the contestants. That is, at what point, when do they deviate from the plan, and what is their moral character, right? At what point do they deviate from the plan? It's obvious the plan is you go and you try and convince the other person to share. That's always the plan. You say, yes, I'm going to share. They say, oh, yes, I'm going to share. And you hope that the other person doesn't pull a dirtbag move and steal all the money. That's the plan. What does it reveal about their character? Well, you know, are you happy to share $10,000? Maybe. Pretty good. What about 100000 Ooh, that's a lot to share. You get, you get all of that for yourself, or you'd have to split it. So maybe, maybe you're pretty content with money, but when it gets to those big sums, your character comes out and you're willing to dog the other person over, to steal all the money. But it hinges on that, on that two-part question. And I think tonight's passage allows us to ask that question about one man called Jesus. What can he be tempted by? At what point will he deviate from the plan? And what is his moral character like? Let's get into it. Verses 1 to 3 set up a situation. Jesus goes into the desert after fasting and after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He's pretty hungry. The devil appears to him and he appeals to him, to his hunger. He says, if you are the Son of God, then turn these useless rocks into some tasty bread. This is like Bear Grylls, right? Man versus wild? Yes, yes. Okay, Jesus is alone in the desert. He's got no food. He's got no water. He's got no shelter. He's got to survive by himself. What's he going to do? Satan, seeing an opportunity, he wants to see him action. And so he had past it. He appears to Jesus and says, you know, show off your survival skills. Do some alchemy. Turn rocks into bread. Of course, if Jesus is the Son of God, then this should be a piece of cake, a piece of bread. <laughs> the devil wants to know, is this man versus wild, or is this God versus mine? But Jesus replied, Jesus replied, Let's us see the real question behind it. Will he deviate from the plan? What is Jesus' moral character? In verse 4, Jesus replies, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. What a, what a strange response. What does he mean, man can't survive on bread? And yet, why is it so satisfying? Like, it's such a, it feels good. Well, because, like, like a lot of things that Matthew records about Jesus, what Jesus says here is he quotes from the Old Testament. It's a quote of scripture that's come before, specifically from Deuteronomy. And Jesus' reply, it takes us to a time where God's chosen people, the Israelites, of wandering around in the desert, and they've been there for 40 years. 
It reminds us of a time where they don't have any water or food or shelter. And in these circumstances, which are eerily similar to what Jesus is going through, God's chosen people, they forget God's plan and they reveal their own moral character. They fail to trust God and they complain bitterly to God, saying, why have you left us in this situation? So under tough conditions, the Israelites fail. So what about Jesus? Does he have any bitter words to express his hunger and his loneliness? No. Okay, a uh, quick recap. We're coming past the first temptation uh, that the devil presented to Jesus. Jesus has passed with flying colours, even using it as a chance to express his devotion to God. So what's going to happen? We're going to have to move to verses 5 and 6, round 2. You see, then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you. And is this the devil quoting scripture? How weird is that? What is going on? Why would he do that? Maybe has the devil learned that Jesus is so devoted to God that if he wants to get him to do anything, he has to use God's own words to convince him. Maybe that's what he's doing. Let's, let's find out. So they're standing at the top of the temple and says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Standing on the tip of the temple, with his toes on the edge, you get that vertigo sensation as you look down. This is pretty high adrenaline stuff. Forget their drills. This is Who Dares Wins. And anyone familiar with that show, the greatest TV show of the mid-90s? Featuring uh, legendary Mike Whitney, uh, the left-arm medium pace bowler for the Australian Test Team. Fantastic stuff. If you're not familiar, I'll give you... The, my favourite part about this show, Who Dares Wins, uh, was when Mike would go into local shopping centres and he'd have cash in his hand and he'd offer it to people if they do challenges for him. So, you know, sort of uh, wacky stuff. You say something like, you know, I've got 250 bucks... Uh, if you let a scorpion crawl over your face, or lick a hamster, or, you know, the sort of stuff we do for fun at YouTube. <laughs> and so the devil is challenging Jesus, he's throwing down these challenges. Will he do it? He's even got a bit of scripture to back him up. Jump off the roof. He's sort of, it's sort of like saying, you know, go on, I dare you. I know you'll be fine. You know that God will save you. Let's just put it to the test, hey? Jump. Is Jesus going to do it? What is his moral character like? Is Jesus a fruit seeker? Does he care about the consequences of his actions? Will he deviate from the plan? Even if the deviation is a little, it's like it's an joyride. Well, in verse 7, Jesus replies to the devil, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Oh snap. <laughs> you want scripture? I got scripture. And again, it's a quote from Deuteronomy. 
What Jesus says, see, this is what he says when he quotes, do not test God. What he says is, I will not test the Lord. I will not use my position as God's son to leverage my father into action for my reckless behaviour. I trust God, and I don't have to make him prove himself to me or to you. Uh, I just want to add a small tangent at the moment. If God's plan was to make sure Jesus stays safe, then this probably would have been a great opportunity to demonstrate. Jump, save him. Uh, but Jesus doesn't, and so maybe God's plan isn't to keep Jesus safe. That's a small thought. Back to our questions for the topic tonight. Jesus doesn't deviate from the plan. He upholds his moral character. He doesn't go off script with wacky adventures to show how important he is. He doesn't abuse his powers in some sort of thrill-seeking ego trip. He's upright. Well, round three. And finally, verses eight and nine, we find this. The devil takes Jesus to a very high place, top of a mountain, to show him all the kingdoms of the earth and their splendor, their glory. And he tells him, all these things I'll give to you if you just bow down and worship. The devil's dropped his roots. He cuts straight to a deal. The ultimate deal. It's deal or no deal. <laughs> My next uh, let me show you. Let me show you how the devil is making a deal here. And to do that, uh, we're going to jump to the end of Matthew's Gospel. Go to chapter 28 of Matthew's Gospel. You can probably tell us the sort of kid who skips the end of books to find out what happens. Find out who wins. Spoiler alert, it's Jesus. But in Matthew 28, in the very last paragraph, in verse 16, you find this. Alright. Verse 16, the eleven disciples travelled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When, I, when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Stop reading, close it there, you already know too much. But I wanted to show you. Just want to show you some similarities. Did you see them then? The devil in chapter 4 takes Jesus to the top of a mountain. In chapter 28, Jesus calls his disciples to the top of a mountain. In chapter 4, the devil uh, offers him and says, you know, you can have all the kingdoms of the earth, all authority over these kingdoms. In chapter 28, Jesus has been given all authority to the kingdoms. In chapter 4, it's conditional because Jesus has to, <coughs> in order to get it, has to bow down and worship the devil. In chapter 28, the worship that comes forth from Jesus' disciples, they don't have to be told. As soon as they see Jesus, they fall on their faces to worship him. What does that tell us? What do these similarities give us? What, what clues do they give? I think that's just a small clue. I think we can infer part of God's plan. I think we can get small clues to God's plan. Uh, I'm sorry it's taken this long to get to it. Uh, some of you may have been wondering, will Jesus deviate from the plan? Well, what is the plan? Well, here it is. Here's God's plan. God's plan is to send his son Jesus to earth 
in order that he might rule over all the kingdoms and all the peoples of the earth and bring them under the rule of God. That's the plan. So here's my question. If God's plan is to send Jesus to rule the kingdoms and the peoples of the earth, why does the Gospel of Matthew have more than four chapters? Am I right? Is the devil offering here to Jesus the exact thing which he's come for? Why not just take it? Why not take the deal? Why complicate this any further? Well, it's because the situation is a little more complicated than that. Remember uh, my, my subtract, that little note about verse 7. God's plan is not to make sure Jesus stays safe. And here's what I meant by that. If you don't know much about Jesus, this is a great thing to pick up. Jesus is sent to conquer all peoples of the earth and to rule with authority. That's true. But the way he's going to do it is radically different than what you'd expect. God's chosen king, you see, he's not a tyrant. He's not a dictator. He doesn't rule with oppression like the devil does. God's king will use his authority to serve the people. He will use his power to do what is best for them, not for himself. And to do that, he needs to put he puts their needs ahead of his own. He has to put their lives ahead of his own. He has to give up his life for them. That's what we said in the creed. That's what we that's a statement of faith that we went through. And we see that Jesus will conquer the world, but he does it by dying for it. That's the full plan. And that's the only way that's going to work. No deal with the devil will work. So what will Jesus do in chapter 4? Will he deviate from God's plan? Will he cave in to what the devil offers? One thing's for sure is that Jesus will reveal his moral character in response to this temptation. That will happen. But what does he choose? Does he choose to hold out, even though that means choosing the road of suffering? Does he choose the scorn, the brutal beatings, the slow, torturous execution on a cross? Is that what he chooses? Does he choose to be completely rejected by all mankind and his own father? Does he choose to take the responsibility for all the sin and the wickedness in the world when he himself has never faltered? He's without sin. Or does he choose to end it now? Quickly, without pain. Just take the devil up on the deal. Does he take a shortcut around the cross? Does he compromise his loyalty to the Father by bowing down to the devil? Let's see in verse 10. Then Jesus told him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus chooses to stick with the plan. His moral character is pure, it's blameless. 
He survived the temptations. He survived the wilderness. It's over. <coughs> Verse 11, Then the devil left him, and the angels came to the tent. This Jesus of Nazareth, he's amazing. He's like nothing we've ever seen before. And perhaps that's new to you. Perhaps what you've heard tonight is fresh information. You might just need some time to process that. That's great. God, Jesus is God's king, the one who makes his own choice to serve the people under his authority. Uh, but maybe some of us want to push on and know how to use this passage for our own life. Well, maybe we can take the questions we've used tonight and ask them to ourselves. Will you deviate from God's plan for your life? What is your moral character like now? And surely, as, as we ask ourselves that, will we deviate from God's plan? The answer's got to be, well, no, never. I will resist temptation. Perhaps that's the application, that with Jesus' help, you can overcome all temptation in your life. Is that the obvious parallel? Whether it's physical or spiritual or political? Except, it's just a, a really rubbish way to apply such a glorious chapter. The application doesn't work, and it often doesn't work because of the answer to the second question. What is your moral character like? When we discover that we're just too much like the first Israelites. Lost in the wilderness of our own problems, unable to find our way out. And then we complain to God, saying, why have you put me here? Why have you left me here? We're unable to meet God's standards, much less follow his plans. Have you even seen the temptation of all the glory of this world? I say, if we were in this chapter, we wouldn't have even made it to round three. Is this a surprise to you? Surely, you know how corrupt you are, anyone. You know that we've all... We can all think of times where we've known the right thing to do, and yet still chosen the opposite. You know the price for your own sin. Jesus knows the price for your sin because he paid for it. Jesus knows the penalty of every temptation that you succumb to because he experienced that penalty for you. He died when it should have been you. And he knows what it's like to struggle against the temptations because he struggled against them for you. And that's much closer to the heart of this passage. Because this passage, I think, is not really about your problems. It's not really about your struggles. It's about Jesus' struggle for you. It's about how Jesus himself suffered through temptation in order to win you over, to win you to himself. Don't be disappointed, though, when you learn that this passage isn't about your, your own struggles. It's actually quite relieving. And I've got these two uh, reflections on it that I'll leave you with. 
Christmas is, it, this passage does tell us something about temptation. Because even in like the mildest forms of temptation, it can be a chance to live for God. Like, what if, what would have mattered if Jesus had turned the rocks into bread? Wouldn't have hurt anyone. He could have done it. I don't see a huge problem. But his, his resistance to that, his resistance is a chance to show us what he does live for. He shows that he does live, not just for his own desires, but to please God. Resistance isn't futile. It's a chance to live for God. So don't wallow in your temptations. Don't sit around weighing up temptations and decisions like you're on some sort of game show where you can win. Jesus has won already. So run to him. And that becomes my second word here. Uh, run to Jesus. Look at the example given in the rest of chapter 4. Uh, we see uh, right after his temptation in verse 19, Jesus calls to his first disciples and they run to him. And then he goes to the synagogues to teach, to preach, and to heal people. And the crowds, they come running to him. Maybe we should run to Jesus. And this is what I mean by running to him. Come and meet Jesus. Come and listen to what he's saying. As we spend the next few weeks here at Union Church, we're going to be going through the Sermon on the Mount, the next few chapters of Matthew. And you've been primed for what he's about to say. You know God's plan for his life. You know that he has a spotless small parent. So listen to what he has to say. Look at how he gives up everything that he can have so that you can run to him. I think we'll find a lot more value that way. When we stop asking, instead of asking Jesus, you know, how do I resist temptation? We ask, <coughs> we ask him, why did you resist temptation? Because he did it for you.